The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report here on location. Alex Morgan, Abby Wambach. Uh, World Cup coming up, 2015. When is it? Early June? Yeah, starts early Does it June. feel like four years since the last one? Yes no. and no. No and yes. <laughs> We're just going to repeat said, each other. Yeah. Well, it, it feels like it has kind of been a long time, but um, just in the fact that we haven't been on that stage in quite a while, but it still feels like it was yesterday with the defeat that we had against Japan. So You had probably the most famous women's soccer game other than the Brandy Chastain game where you win. Because of this noggin. Right. An amazing goal. Like, mm-hmm. really, like we, I watched that goal with my daughter on YouTube. We watched it live, but she doesn't remember it. But the odds of that goal, like, first of all, the cross has to be perfect for midfield. The header has to be perfect. The defenders have to jump at the wrong, kind of the wrong time. You have to jump at the right time. Like, what are the odds of that goal happening? Like, one in a thousand? I don't know what the technical math odd would be, but I do know they were slim. And just based on what was going on in the game, the whole red card, we're down a man, we're in double cheap, overtime. A cheap red card, we should mention. Yeah, 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 yeah. not a great call. They're stalling and wasting as much time as possible, which came back to bite them because the referee gave us an extra couple minutes, an extra mm-hmm. time of the overtime, yeah. which is very rare. Uh, so everything kind of had to perfectly work out. Um, and then Pino just sends a bomb in the box, and all I kept doing was hoping it, was, it would get over the defender in goalkeeper's hands. Is that like as far as somebody can do a cross that leads to a header? Basically? Like, is, that was have like you a ever 50-yard cross. Yeah, it was like almost midfield. It was, yeah. It was very far, but I saw it the whole way. And and I know Pino maybe knew that I was in there, and it's kind of one of those Hail Mary pass sort of moments, but I just kept thinking, don't mess this up. Because <laughs> if it goes over, I'm wide open, and all I need to do is basically right. tap it in. Um, Wait, so you guys both, you played basketball too, right, a little bit? When I was way back when? Way young, yeah. What's, like, what's the basketball equivalent of that shot? Like, making a, a mid-court shot with a second full left? Court. For a full court. A 70, 70-foot so, so shot? So, having half-second left and yeah. receiving the ball and just yeah. going for it. Yeah, like a 70-footer? Yeah. It's the Leitner shot, you know? You know, right. the, the but if turnaround. it was from mid-court? Ish. Like, the thing is, is Leitner was close enough. I yeah. was close enough. The pass yeah. is, the pass is probably more difficult than yeah. the actual finish. Um, itself, but under the circumstances when time is basically running out. Um, I like the Leitner shot comparison. That's a good yeah, one. It's, I just actually watched that 30 for 30 the other day. So You know what's interesting? That was a good one. Yeah. Um, I think people, now that time has passed, some people probably think we won the World Cup because that game was so memorable. I think people only remember that game and they don't remember what happened next. So Even when it happened. Like when we got home after the final, <laughs> we went to Times Square and... You Everyone know, doing, was so bummed. Everybody just... was like... But when we got off the... I don't know if you remember this. When I do. we got off the bus... I was like, guys, like, who, what are all these people doing? So many fans cheering. And there cheering were thousands we, of people we were waiting for us outside that. the hotel. And I was like, wait, they're here for us, but we didn't, they, they know we didn't win, right? Right. <laughs> and it was all because of the buzz from that Brazil game. And, you know, Japan having had the tsunami months before, it was like, it was almost like fated for them to win in certain yeah. ways. And even though we were devastated... Um, we we kind of yeah. grew the game and, and kind of catapulted women's soccer back into the mainstream popular. I think a culture. lot of teams, though, I think Japan did as well. Mm-hmm. In their country, they had so many fans just come on board from that quarterfinal when they beat Germany. And 
Uh, now you just see the league having a better attendance. Just, I think there's been so many, so much more Japanese media, even just so much more concentrated in women's soccer that wasn't before. Yep. When you guys left really for cool. the World Cup, it wasn't. I mean, there was a little buzz for the team, but it did seem like that was a galvanizing moment, especially on social media. I think Twitter had really gotten going like two years before, yeah. but I remember that was like a great Twitter moment. Yeah, it seemed like everybody was watching for whatever reason, and when that happens, like boom. And well, then. and it's so interesting you say that because for us, we talked a lot during that time period that we wanted to stay inside of our bubble. Yeah. And no matter what happened, good or bad, we wanted to stay inside of our bubble because we lost a game in that tournament to actually play Brazil right. in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to let the outside positive or negative affect us in any way, shape, or form. We just needed to go do what we did. And even that game, you know, we all had stories. We all saw the videos of people in bars watching and celebrating that yeah. last second goal. And um, we had one meeting to talk about it. And it was like, everybody get your story out. And after the meeting was done, it was like, okay, that's, that's now in the past and we move forward. Was Japan better than you? I've always said from the moment after the game that that was two championship teams. I mean, and they're the ones that got the World Cup at the end of the day. They're standing at the top of the podium, but I think we were just as deserving as them with the play that we, with the product we put on the field. Um, but that's the way the game goes. We had better chances. We should have yeah. been four to zero in the first half. Right. In my opinion, at least three. And but they capitalized on their chances, and they did. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sawa, she literally scored a goal. Her eyes were completely shut. And that's the way the game goes for... Uh, <laughs> yeah. They were shut. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, for a team who's always coming back from um, being down a goal, we were ahead, and then they came back, and then we were ahead, and then they came back. So they had they had that just that confidence going that into... Spirit. Yeah, going into the PKs. I, I feel like they had come back twice, and they were like, we're not going to lose this. Totally. And I think that's exactly what we had... In Brazil. In Brazil, mm-hmm. going against Brazil. I also think that the Japanese goalkeeper knew exactly where some of our kick- kickers were going. So Well, we had just that gives PKs That gives them an edge in the penalty kick, you know. But at the end of the day, they they beat us. You know, yeah. they, they when won. When you say they know, like reading the body language or just Well, we just played Brazil up? and going to penalty kick against Brazil. And yeah. so for those, those players who kicked, the goalkeeper saw and is now scouted all of our kickers. So she knows where we went and... We didn't switch it up, right? It seems like more people go left than right, right? If you're a righty kicker, 80, 80% you're go left. of people go across their body. It's just a more natural way of right. kicking. So more if mo- you push it right, then in all it's kinds just of bad a little bit can more unnatural. So it's yeah. more unlikely for kickers to go that way. Yeah. I will say, as a parent of somebody who plays soccer, and we were in a penalty kick situation. It was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever been through in my entire life. Oh, yeah, my and I can't, can't even imagine when it gets to your level, but no. like. My mom is in the concourse. She's she can't even watch. She's in the concourse pacing. And and (laughs) kids, your mom, dad do. And people just it it hits people different ways. But like, I mean, we you know you just see girls like just they it's like a dribble. They can't (laughs) can't hit so much pressure. In the Olympics, when I had to take the penalty against Canada, yeah, and then Alex scores the game winner with her head. My mom, she couldn't watch, and she was just praying. And my grandmother had just recently passed away, so she was like, "Mom." I know you're up there just praying. My sister is like, Mom, it's just a game, you know, because she doesn't know if I'm going to miss it or make it. Right. And if I don't make it, then, you know, we don't continue on. But is it, it always seems like they, they'll call it sometimes, but not all the time. But the goalie can't jump early. No, I mean, and you're not supposed to stay until the ball's hit. Yeah. But it seems like a lot of times they're jumping and they just. Well, Hope saved 
it against Brazil. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I remember. She saved the ball, and the referee called her back and but gave they, her a yellow card. But then card. after the game, they said it was... It was uh, something like Christy went in the box before. When yeah, the but she showed. Right. I mean, but it she was such a weird, yellow, yeah. such a weird experience. Mm. Yeah. So I was at the the gold medal game. You were in Wembley in 2012, and I mean, I'm sure you played in all kinds of stadiums, but it was like intimidating just to be there as a fan. It was the hugest stadium, and the field seemed like you know, two soccer fields put together. Like, do you even see that stuff anymore when you go out there? I don't. I I mean, I do remember in the Olympic final, um, they were, there was a lot of Japanese fans and they were, they were were. rooting, he panned. And like, there was one moment, I think maybe in the second half where um, I let myself kind of hear that. And then I brought myself back into the game. I think it was like a two seconds or something. That's the only time I remember thinking, wow, there's a lot of people here until the end of the game when we were receiving the gold medals. But that right. was the only time during the game I thought. Do you, you hear were... the crowds, Abby, or no? No, I don't. I don't hear them. I don't even hear our coaches, you know, when they're trying to yeah. yell stuff. Well, you can't. Sideline. I mean. It's yeah. so loud, number one. Number two, it's like I've got, like, I got my own stuff going on right now. Right. <laughs> like, I can't worry about what the fans are cheering or what the other team is even doing. I'm, I'm worrying about, like, the whole collective group of our team and if everything is moving in the right direction and if people are in the right positions and if I'm doing what I'm needing to be doing for my team to win. So you guys are part of this legacy that I think started with Mia Hamm. You played with her. It was, like, a little weird torch passing in ways. You played professionally with her. Mm-hmm. Now you guys play together. Do you guys feel that? There's like some sort of lineage? Like wait, you're nine years older? Yeah. And Mia was what, nine, ten years older than you? She was eight years older than me. Yeah. I'm nine years older than Al. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Mia was such an integral part, not just in my success, but the creation and, and kind of putting women's soccer on the map in the world. You yeah. know, I'm not even going to say the country. Um, putting Nike soccer on the map, literally. And... Um, making women's sports kind of one of the things that we could look up to and be like, wow, I want to do that. And she did that for me when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19. Gave me the opportunity to look up to um, somebody that was doing something that I did. But she gave you a kick in the ass too, right? Oh, sure. She wasn't wasn't always the nicest person in the world. She could definitely... Did she talk about like, hey, you ready to take this seriously now? Well, no. I think that the thing that Mia did most was she knew that I had thick skin so she could yell at me and I could take it. And um, and I... I've always kind of been that one person that if if you needed to yell, great. I mean, I actually do better with, like, negative reinforced criticism. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just was so great for me on the field. And then off the field, she would always circle back around, make sure I was doing all right, because I was still 22, 23 years old when we played together. Um, And I'm a different person than Mia, but I like to think that I've, I've helped Alex become the best player she can be. Yeah. Uh, in does some, she yell you? <laughs> in some small way, I you think, know? I think we can she yell at each yell other you. sometimes. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I think we're very honest with each other, and we keep each other honest, and, and that's a good thing. That's a good relationship to have on the field. Yeah, I think that we trust each other and have confidence. And so when you have that trust and confidence, all the other stuff is secondary. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes I can clap my hands and be like, Alex, come on! And she knows that that's coming from like a... I believe in you. I need I need you to do better, or, or I need you to score right. a goal for us because that's what's being asked of you right now. That's um, a media internet thing where when teammates don't seem like they're getting along or there's like a moment, 
people get bent out of shape, but it's usually people who didn't really play sports. Right. So it's like, it's part of the process. You're going to get mad at people. For sure. Like, hey, come on, or you, oh, we screwed that up, and you're going to talk it out. It's not like you hate each other. No, it, we're, we're and like it's in siblings, the moment, it's, you know? Yeah. You're not able to completely explain stuff to each other. You have to give each other, you know, an eye or, like, a slap on the back or, like, a good, like, reinforcement, like, let's go. And so people, yeah. I think, in the media take that the wrong way. But I, I think in the moment, you have your one thing you need to say and you need to get across clearly. Mm-hmm. What age does that kick in? Like, when teams start to get like that, where there's that kind of communication? Because you don't see it, obviously, when you're, like, under 10, under 11, things like that. Is it high school? Um, I think that high school is a little bit more confidence building where it's like, okay, like we can do, like everything's okay, like you're great. Yeah, yeah. And then as good you job, get, good yeah, job. as you get mm-hmm. into college, you know, you start to trend in more of a getting on each other, holding each other accountable, right? Yeah. Accountability is a big thing. And and as forwards, if one of us is not scoring a goal, I'm not happy, right? Yeah. If one of us is not a part of goals, I'm not happy. And and that's not only my ego and my competitiveness, but as a veteran forward, I want our forwards to be scoring more goals than our midfielders, because that's the way it should be. Right. Yeah. And it's not about competing against them, but it's also, it's, that's our job, and we need to be good at our job for our team to win games and win World Cups and championships. You guys, the, we talked, like, I think two years ago, and we were talking about um, growing up playing a bunch of sports versus what's happening now, where it's like a soccer factory. And both of you guys feel really passionate about when somebody's younger that they should be doing a whole bunch of things. So start with your experiences. I mean, I played all different sports growing up, uh, basketball, softball, volleyball. And I feel like that helped me grow to be like not only the player I am today, but the person and helped me gain a lot of just friendships throughout that time. And I think at the right time, I started focusing on soccer. I didn't play club soccer until I was 13 years old. But mm. it's very individual to what the person needs. I mean, I... I didn't want to get burnt out, and I didn't want to focus on one sport. I just I felt like I would, had a short attention span, and I didn't right. necessarily want to put that all in soccer. And then, but your just, dad wanted you to play softball, right? Oh, he was a big baseball guy, yeah. so he wanted me to play softball when I was younger. And finally, like nine or ten years old, I was like, Dad, softball is just not going to cut it. I think I played one year of, of club or travel ball yeah and I was like no I gave him his chance and I was like all right now you gotta learn soccer and so he took ref classes he took coaching classes oh he got into it oh yeah he wouldn't he wouldn't go to my games when I was younger and then once I told him soccer is a sport I love he was like okay fine so then he like took his his wall down and was like all right soccer it is I'm gonna have to just shed a little tear put baseball to the side and now I love it I mean I'll walk in on to the front door and he'll be watching um some it's Serie A game in Italy. Like he doesn't even know the two teams playing, but he just wants to learn the game. So he could talk to me about the game. That's great. And you play yeah. hoops and a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm the youngest of seven, so I grew up playing all sports, whether it was baseball, t-ball, swam, swam in my swimming pool, my parents' swimming pool all summer long, basketball um, during the winter times, soccer during high school, and then and then during the summer times as well. It's like. Whatever I could do to stay busy, that's what I was doing. And I attribute so much of my ability to head the ball well to playing basketball. And my basketball coach being really kind of hard on me, I was a small forward, so I had to, I had to box out and rebound. And every time that ball hits the rim, 
you gotta you gotta plan for your your jump. You gotta time your jump. You gotta see the arc of the ball and the trajectory of the ball. Right. You know, so there's a lot of things that go into basketball as it pertains to rebounding that really correlate with 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 heading a ball and reading the flight of the ball and timing your jump. And obviously, heading is obviously different than catching a, a basketball. But right. Um, I was, but that makes sense, though. The physics of it is yeah, similar totally, in the way totally. your brain has to work. And I wish I could say that I was so smart in high school that I was playing basketball to be a world-class <laughs> header, but the reality is one thing just led to another. And uh, playing on this team, you know, I always say that, that having somebody being able to cross the ball to my head is a skill that I can't necessarily do for them. They have yeah. to be good at it. So my teammates have to put me in positions to score, score goals with my head. Yeah, that's a big controversy now about whether kids should be allowed to head the ball or not. And it seems like, just from my own experiences of watching the team, it seems like some girls know how to do it and some don't. And if you don't know how to do it, maybe you shouldn't do it. But well, it's, it does seem like a natural curve. I don't thing. think it's something you have or you don't. I mean, You don't think so? I think there's a learning Tense in the neck muscles? It seems like either instinctively... I think you have to be taught how to do it. It's not like you just have it or you don't. I mean, some people are naturally gifted more right. than others but it, there's a learning curve involved i mean i think i've gotten a lot better at heading the ball and some people just don't head the ball because they just don't want it so when do you think people should start learning then if i think it has to them. be a decision that that the kid and the parent have this discussion yeah you know there's all these products out there i work with companies that, that with this company triax that it's like a headband that actually yeah. measure, measures and tracks head impacts and gives a parent an opportunity to see on their smartphone if maybe an impact was too much for them, right? Oh, so there's so much technology now. But the most important thing is if your kid is really athletic and they want to learn something, take them to a good coach that knows the proper techniques of heading. Because in my opinion, courage is number one of the number one things about going up and heading a ball. Yeah. If you're attacking a ball and you're actually making contact rather than the ball making contact with you, you're, you're, you're initiating the contact. All of your muscles are now engaged for your neck to be strong, for your back to be strong, for your legs and everything to be in the right form so that when you do make contact, you're not, your brain isn't now j- jiggling right. inside of your skull. Mm-hmm. You're actually now promoting the ball to go in a different direction. Um, and that has to be a, a decision and a discussion between parent and athlete to make sure that they are developed, their bodies developed properly enough so that they can d- take whatever size soccer ball that they're wor- working with because... There is absolutely, if it, if it is a question at all, don't do it, right? But for me, I was this youngster, this really, you know, I was courageous, you know, jumping off of things at a really young age and loved that kind of thing. I like to, to, to take risks and, and heading a soccer ball was one of my favorite parts of playing the game. When did but, you feel comfortable? Uh, I mean, at a young age, I don't know, yeah. 10, 11, 12 um, when did I get good at it? I don't remember. 2012 against Canada. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't even say that was a great header. Just it was a great it header. It went right over the it keeper's head. It was a great header. She's I was the queen of headers. Myself. She's blessing it. I mean, the perfect touch. You know, maybe you didn't mean to do it exactly like that, but it was the it. perfect touch, don't, and I was don't there. Don't throw me under the bus. There. I even, I even told you that I was in love with you in that moment because <laughs> partly did. I was jealous that you scored on a header and it wasn't me, but secondly, I was really glad that we go through to the final. Yeah. Do you get, you get jealous when other people have perfect header opportunities? I don't get jealous. I have admiration. Heather O'Reilly just scored one yesterday in in training. <laughs> it was a, great. A diving, diving header. header, and I'm just like. Slow clapping it, you know, just mm. like, gosh, that's amazing. Because she's so, is not the person on our team that ever heads the ball, period, let alone go for a diving header and right. score on it. So it was cool. 
So what yeah. would you, if you could give advice to the youth soccer culture, like things you wish they did differently? Because now it's like so many people play soccer, and I think even now with football, youth football is kind of, it's not dying, but I think a lot less people are pushing their kids that way and more people are going to soccer. Um, what are the things that you wish that culture did that they're not doing right now? We talked about kids playing a bunch of sports. Yeah. Is there anything else like, like that you wish they did? I definitely think that kids should play multiple sports. Parents have to be smarter than the average bear than to just put their kid in a year-round sport because the club is holding them hostage to do so. Really what the club is saying is we want more money from you. And yeah. I think that it's really important for you to take care of your kids, to develop them athletically on a, on a spectrum, right? To not give them one sport to do because no kid wants to do one thing all the time. Yeah. Think about that, right? And then also think about what you're now not allowing them to do is develop complete athletic, completely athletically. Because for the most part, parents have to get it into their minds that their kids are probably not going to play professional sports. Right. Yes, they may go to college and play sports, which is great, but they need to prepare their, their kids for post-college and what to do then and, and not necessarily pigeon themselves, pigeonhole themselves into one specific sport that they're, they're versed in, in all sports. You agree with but that? I, yeah, I agree, but I also think that it's important for the kid to love what they do and um, for me, like I, I loved all the different sports. I loved playing volleyball, and I didn't want to give that up too soon. And I feel like I did have pressure from my club soccer team and my high school soccer team to quit volleyball, but I didn't want to at that time, so, so I didn't. And I don't feel like at the end of the, the day there were repercussions, but there was pressure at the time. And um, I think at the end of the day the kid has to love it and has to be vocal about what he or she wants to do. Because if, if your parents are pushing you into a sport that you don't even love at the age of 13 or 14, when, when are you going to love it? Right. You were talking before we started taping, you were saying how there was a game on, and you were talking about how when you, got, when you were growing up, and I don't know if this was the case for you, mm -hmm. because and it probably was too, but like there just wasn't a lot of soccer on. And the soccer that was on, we're, we weren't watching on these wide TVs in yeah. HD where you could see the field. Mm -hmm. It was like a square. The, college the is picture like, wasn't yeah. that good. College is probably the first time I started really paying attention to right. international soccer. And women, I mean, women's international soccer, probably late college or once I got on the national team and started scouting other teams, which is, what, six years ago? Not that right. long ago. So you're, you're, learn, you're becoming like an all-American and soccer's not even, you're not even watching it. No, and, <laughs> and people don't realize that, that there are so many pioneers of not just our game, but women's sports in general, that um, back in the day, I'm watching the NBA basketball, not the WNBA because it wasn't around. You know, I'm yeah. watching male athletes as mm -hmm. my idols and trying to, to, to be like Mike, so to speak, you know what I mean? And now I think it's so cool because you have women across all different sports that are playing your sport at a professional level. They're doing that without having to hold another job. Um, it gives me a lot of gratification because I feel like I'm, I've been a part of that on some level, and I think that Alex is going to take it to the complete next level in terms of her ability to, to affect and, and inspire young players to do what we do. And, and it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a part of women's sports, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what Alex does with the rest of her career. Well, it seems like these last four years, most of your games have been on TV, right? Pretty much every Team USA game in some capacity was on some channel, whereas, like, the Mia Hamm team, everyone remembers the 99 World Cup, but I don't remember watching them, like, even twice other than those 99 games, I mean, you know? Honestly, I've, I've only been on the team for 
six years or so. Abby's been on um, a lot longer than me. But even when I came on to this team, we weren't drawing a lot of fans, per se, at our games. And it was pretty uncommon to have one of our games on TV. So this is a very recent thing. Yeah. Within the last four years, five years. Since 2011, yeah. yeah 2011. You know, after do you like it? You might. It must give you a little. Do or does like it not it? even matter? I mean, it must. I mean, does it give you a little it. extra edge, or well, would you have had the same edge anyway? Like it's like, hey, some random friendly, but it's on ESPN too. Yeah, no, we we take we take what we do seriously, whether yeah. it's on TV yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, you see a little bit more makeup on the girls when it's a TV game. <laughs> Truth be told, hey, you can't be giving away the secrets. <laughs> How do you wear makeup without sweat? Do you there's sweat a, it there's off? There's a new line coming up. <laughs> Is this? <laughs> that Abby's creating. That I'm creating because I've seen it happen in the time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding about the line coming up, but I'm not creating it. Was there a big game where anybody in the other team had like so much makeup on that you guys were like making fun of her like under your breasts? No, yeah, no. I mean there there's some, but the reality is is like whether we are playing on TV or not. Um, it's, a, it's the same it's a, level of intensity. It's an but honor to wear the, the crest. It is, and it's great to have our family be able to watch us if they're not at the I game. I was going to say, it must I be great on every family I swear my mom following on Twitter. Yeah. Hate, she hates the dang things. It's like because, grass grow, my mom calls yeah, it. Yeah, it's like grass, grass watching grow. grass grow. So being able to watch our games on TV and DVR, um, it's pretty awesome for our family to be able to follow us. Well, you you people think you've won a World Cup. I think some people think that, but you never actually won one. I know. And this I, is like, you're 34. And I know, this is my last go-around. Is um, it definitely the last go-around? For the World Cup, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't think you could ever say that. Come on. I'm I feel 34. like if anyone could Come go on. to late 30s, you could yeah, do it. Yeah, no, I've played this game for 29 years. I think that... I'm, you think that's enough? I'm, I'm going to be ready, hopefully, after we win a World Cup. Um, yeah. But the reality for me is I have a lot of other things that I want to do in my life. And mm. my body is aging and I'm getting older. And what's, Tell us what's aging. Um, what are you feeling? Do you feel it more like after practice? Like what, what, what do you feel you know, is different? You know, when people like Alex come on the scene and they just can like run so fast. And I just like, like I'm gay. Okay, I'm pretty sure you were like speeding Gonzalez when you scored that goal <laughs> against Switzerland. <laughs> And you chipped the keeper from like twenty five yards out. Yeah, well, I'm not I'm saying, saying that I'm not. I'm not saying player. that I'm not a, a good soccer player anymore. I'm saying that a there's other things I want to do: start a family, the whole bit, and b there's always a time for not necessarily the passing of the torch, but yeah, I've tried my very best and done my very best with this team, and there's always a time that you need to walk away and hand over the reins to somebody else. And Alex. I've seen her grow immensely from the time that she got on this team in 2009, 2010, and who she is now in terms of her professionalism, her desire, and, and, and her push is, is, I'm so proud because, you know, like when you, when you pick a horse at the horse races, oh. I feel like I put, I put my money on Alex and she's proven me right in, all, in, every, in every possible way. Um, and I'm excited to see where her career could go. Um, so the responsibility of that position, it's not just like the media responsibility, right? right. Where it's like you're the face of stuff, you got to do these interviews, you got to spend time with reporters, you got to do things like this. But how, I mean, a huge chunk of that is just work ethic, practice after practice after practice, right? Yeah, it's so the 10,000 hour got there? Um, I think that Alex and the beauty of what I know about Alex is that she will never think that she's gotten there. Oh. And that's what makes a great player. 
that's what makes you were kind of like that too, right? Exactly, and that and that's what makes somebody play for years after years after years because their limits completely. They when you surpass a goal, when you surpass your limits, you then reset them higher, and that's who I've known and have learned Alex to become, and that's something that brings me a lot of joy because that's what I always said. One of my favorite things about soccer is that I never will know how good I will be or right. how good I could be because it's always that that little bit more that you could possibly be doing, and you have to change your your outlook and your mindset when as you grow older because maybe you slow down a little bit physically, but maybe you can speed up mentally and maybe you can help the other people around you who can physically do things that maybe you once were able to do. Uh, so there's a lot of factors that are involved, and I'm just so um, I'm pleased with the way that Alex is kind of grown and you know how she deals with the media and how she deals with 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 fans and how she deals with stuff like this and her her endorsements and playing still you know mm. it's there's a lot of pressure when you sign deals and you have fans millions of them on your twitter and then you have to go out and prove it right and it takes a special personality and Alex absolutely has all those parts so you ready for all this oh gosh pressure's on now um yeah i mean Abby's been a great leader for this team, obviously. She's she's the person that I look up to, and I look to for, for guidance and um, for a little bit of confidence sometimes as, as well. So uh, I'm really excited for this year because, you know, I really do think um, we're the best team to go out there and, and be at the top of the podium at the end of the day. And it is crazy to me that this person right here has never won a World Cup. That is mind-blowing to me with the records that she's broken and yeah. everything she's done for this team. Um, she totally deserves a World Cup. So that's what all that's on our mind this year. It doesn't matter about, you know, what's next or um, Olympics after that or anything like that. It's all about what comes in June. And you guys have had your coaches now, your old coaches now at Sweet in Sweden. Then you had another coach, now you have the current coach. So yeah. You've had three coaches in the last four years. Does mm-hmm. that matter? Uh, I mean, you know, all three coaches have, have really been, you know, they've really brought different styles of play. And I think, you know, Pia was with us for a good amount of time. And, and Jill was also as an assistant coach with Pia. So we've known Jill for quite mm-hmm. a while. Um, so, I, you know, I think we feel really good going into the World Cup. And we know exact, she knows what she can expect out of us. And we know how to push ourselves. And so, you know, to a certain degree, I think... A coach is a very important part of a team, but I think at the end of the day, the players on the field and, you know, those 23 players going to the World Cup are the ones that matter. Yeah, I think that that as as a player, we've had multiple coaches and I've had many coaches, right? I've had one, two, three, four, five coaches now on this team. And um, what makes this team so great isn't necessarily um, the dictatorial coach it's always about the team chemistry and how we relate uh who we are personalities formations to what the coaches need specifically and uh pia pushed us to a certain level and tom pushed us to a certain level and now it's jill's job to take us that extra step so that we can actually be on that top podium Mm -hmm. and i think that it's really important that uh people understand uh, as players it's it's about playing the very best soccer because Gone are the days that we're going to have a four or five zero World Cup mm-hmm. game, right? It's going to be close. It's going to be right. it's going to be the fine details that matter, and we won't be able to play poorly for ninety straight minutes and be able to do well in our World Cup. We have to at least string together a solid forty five minutes. It doesn't mean we have to play perfect, 
but we have to be solid. Uh, and and then of course you know for certain moments have have that moment where we've where we've had so many times before. Alex scores in the Olympics. Um, we score against Brazil in 2011. Those are the moments that that create the confidence of of a team. And I think it's important that uh, people understand that. No disrespect to any coaches that we've had. It's always the players, players on the field that, yeah. that that make that happen. Yeah. So when I was at practice today, I was just watching everybody, and like you just stand out. Like you, and I'm I'm like an inch taller than Thank you. Thank you. But <laughs> physically on the field, you stand out, and it seems like that in every game. Is there anyone else like her? Just when you see them on the field, is there players on other teams that you feel like? Because this has been the case with you. There's a couple girls out there. A girl on the Swedish team. Um, Neela Fisher. There's a girl on the New about, Zealand team as I well. I don't know about a forward, though. That, Not a forward. That is so dominant. Because there's a little bit of an in- intimidation factor with you. I think so. Yeah. I think that there is. Um, and, you know, as of late, it's so weird because maybe when you get older, you think that you earned a certain level of respect that nobody should come in dirty on you. Right. Um, you haven't earned that yet? Evidently, because <laughs> we played against England and this girl came in so dirty and I saw red for a second. I was like, wait. I'm not a fighter here. <laughs> like right. I wanted to fight her hot, hot, for a hot second. That's um, when it's my job to come in and be like, "You need to calm down." Yes, we're fine. Yes, we're about to we score. actually we hold each other accountable in that way. She had a moment against Iceland, and I had a moment against England. Um, but the reality is, is the intimidation factor. Yeah, I'm going to play it up. It's funny because my teammates know me well enough and know how I play. That's the one thing that's so hard about practicing against some of the other best players in the world. Yeah. You know, our second team could probably place in the top four of a World Cup. That's how deep we are. That's where mm-hmm. most of our strength lies, and not many people understand that. So mm-hmm. Jill's been switching up the lineups quite a bit because they're seven times 90-minute games, right? That's a lot of, that's a lot of minutes yeah. on turf. So we, we're going to have to have a lot, of, a lot of games where players come in and are switched out so that we can save ourselves. Because we're planning, our plan is to go to game seven. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter if you win four games and then lose, right? We want to win the seventh game. That's our goal. And our coaching staff is preparing us for that. And I think it's so important that no matter what happens on the field, that if we have each other's backs and we can push each other in a positive way, I don't know if a team can beat us, honestly. I forgot to ask you about the turf thing because that was really annoying. I mean, I know that, ba- that battle yeah, is lost. I mean, that's that what we're training lost, on now every day. Yeah, know, it was on there training. today. Turf sucks. I mean, turf does suck. It's a little turf faster, sucks. but it's, we need t-shirts. it's bad for Cash your body. How did you guys lose that battle? Like that idea. When, why didn't I get involved? I wish I, I wish I'd gotten involved. I hate turf. Yep. It's terrible for it you. It is terrible. We... Um, yeah. And there's no changing it now, right? It's no. too late. No, we no. filed a, We filed a lawsuit against FIFA and the Canadian Soccer Association, but they were slow playing it because we, in legal world, we filed a little bit too late. So, mm. well, once they said that it was going to be on turf, you have a certain amount of time to file protest a lawsuit it. or protest yeah. it. And it, yeah, it was supposedly a little bit later than that. But um, and then there were some times where they said that they were speaking with each other, speaking with us, which didn't quite happen um, to our records at least so um, it would have been what like four million bucks or something five million not I mean not, not that, much. that I mean, much a lot of grass companies came up and said that they would offer um, to put in grass for free it was so. the principle for FIFA that they weren't going to back See, down yeah. to us. this is why we need a sports czar I feel like the sports czar could have come in <laughs> maybe solve the situation because I'm sure like those seven what are you playing seven games in three weeks mm-hmm. three and a half yeah you'd be half. feeling it it's going to hurt yeah 
It's not fun. I mean, no matter what, seven games in three weeks on any type of surface, yeah. um, you're going to be feeling it by that fifth, sixth, seventh game. But on turf, uh, your body aches. Not yeah, forgiving. but not only, like, and that's that's my thing, is it's not even just the aches. It's the actual injuries that yeah. can yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. And what you're doing... There was just an injury the other day in the, M- in the MLS. Yeah, what you're doing is you're you're putting some of these next generation stars at risk for potentially having a shorter career. Yeah. That's what you're doing. And we aren't saying, hey, look, every game we play on needs to be on, on a natural grass surface. We're not saying that. We're saying for our World Cup, that would have been the right thing to do. It's once every four years. I mean, for I the think biggest they could tournament, get grass. Yeah, for yeah. football. It's a, it's a, it's a frustrating thing, but at this point, uh, the, the battle has been lost, and we have to make the best of it. So, you know... Yes, we're not uh, we're not happy with it, but there's one thing about you know complaining about something that can't be changed. That's not the type of team we are. Right. You know, we we're all playing on it, and we got to get used to it. But at the end of the day, we hope that the fu- the battle, the fight that we put up, makes it so we never play on turf in a World Cup again. They promised me that. So, so this is a very important question. The cup is now how many months away? Two and a half. Seventy-five days. What do you need from us from the rest of America? What do you want from us? How can we help? Great question. Yeah, what do you want yeah. from us? What do you want us to do? Other than Come watch the games. Come to Canada. What else? Support you? I mean, what can we do? You know what is important? I, I know that I know that the United States is going to back us and support us. What I will say is that for me, no matter what, is like the most gratifying thing uh, is is those videos in the bars that people are watching, that people are skipping work. Sorry, employers, you know. Or watching it at work. Yeah, or watching at work. Like, those are the things. So you love those. You love the YouTube yeah, video like, after you score. Those, are, those are amazing things because we like to see the positive effect that we can have on our country, right? We like to see, you know, 15-year-old boys coming up, up to me after the World Cup in 2011 saying, like, I want to be a women's pro soccer player <laughs> one day. You know, like, those are the moments that make us know that the soccer, because there's so much that gets is involved, the sacrifice, the traveling, the missing yeah. proms and graduations and funerals and birthdays and all of the things. Relationships. Yeah, relationships, whatever it is. It's, it's a hard job. We would never trade it for another one because we love what we do. But we just want to want people to join join in on the fun ride we're about to go on because it's going to be fun. And I promise you, you know, I'm not can't promise you a championship, but I promise you, we will not disappoint you. We won't do anything that's going to make you feel like, oh man, I wish I rooted for another team. You know, that's what we I don't really have another team. I mean, the, the truth is, is sometimes people become fair weather fans and root for the winners, right? Gamblers. Yeah, exactly. Gamblers. Vegas. Like, oh, I Vegas. like Japan. <laughs> Good odds. Yeah, yeah. Does the Women's Pro League have a chance coming out of this, you think? Coming out of just... Coming out of the cup. Like, the momentum? Because they always say, like, well, coming out of World Cups, they always say it's going to lead to momentum. Last World Cup, I mean, we had, what, a thousand percent increase in our fans. Mm-hmm. Um at the games after the World Cup and into the, the end of the season. Um, but now we have the NWSL, and I think it's a great opportunity. Obviously, in, in Portland, the team I play with, we average 14,000 a game. So that's excellent. That's pretty awesome. But I, I think we need to see that throughout the league. And um, So I, I think it's if we do our job on the field, then it's going to be a given that fans will want to keep following us and watching us after. And I think what's so great about having the league is 
during the World Cup, they could find their, their favorite player, and then they continue after the World Cup, and right. they watch their favorite player, and they're a fan of, of the team of Portland or whatever team because of their favorite player, and they're, and they're an adamant fan of, of that player. And I, I think that's really cool. I think you'll see, you see that a lot in Europe in the men's side, and I think we I want I want to see that on the women's side. Well, the worst-case scenario, just have put two teams in Portland and Seattle and then just have them constantly <laughs> play each other because they love their soccer. Yeah, there. right. All right, good luck. Um, Thanks I'll probably so see you in Canada. I plan on yes. taking my little lady well, to you some better. games. Good. Our game it's against good. Sweden is sold out, so well, you exciting. part of it's against the NBA Finals, which is a problem for me. Bummer. But then after the NBA Finals, I'm in. I'm in on Team USA. Good NBA luck. Finals is every year. World Cup comes every four years. I know, but they, have you True. seen the NBA this year? It's, it's a really good season. <laughs> so I'm going to juggle. I'm going to do both. I'm, I'm taking your advice. I'm juggling sports. Perfect. Multi sport. All right, thank you. Cool. Thanks luck. for having us. Good luck in the World Cup. Appreciate it. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at Pod Center at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.